What up, Beast High? What's up, folks? Welcome back to the podcast. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 2 one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I am Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 42 of High School Musical 2. Minute 42 starts out with Sharpay asking Troy if he will sing with her some other time, promise, promise. while pouting, <laughs> and ends with Gabriella asking Taylor about boy disease. Oof, yeah. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we will indeed. Sharpay so- doing Troy dirty. And trying to seem so innocent and innocuous with her little pouty lip while she's doing it. Yeah, so Troy has just kind of made an excuse to not sing just now at the dinner table in the middle of the dining room. Which is valid. Yeah, which is valid. And yeah, Sharpay goes, but you will sing with me sometime, right? And he's just put in the situation where there's no way he can say no because... For one thing, he's just been treated to this whole wine and dine dinner um, while still be being paid for the waiter job that he's doing. <laughs> and, you know, he's at the behest of these rich people who are, like, offering to get him into college. With and scholarships. Sharpay's been, like, fawning over him all night. Like, he's been trying to leave, but, like, he needs to give a little bit something in order to to get out of the situation. Or, or so he thinks. I don't know. It's it's just rough. It is. And being a teenager in this situation, it's like you feel the eyes of these people with authority around you looking at you expectantly. And he even looks around to them. And there's a <laughs> cutaway to Vance. And Vance has, like, no expression. It's very unnerving. Like, maybe there's a little smile. I want to I get the, the eye contact between... Troy and Ryan, where Ryan's just like, I don't know, man. I mean, she wants you to do it. Are you going to say no to Sharpay? But I, Ryan's also in his head thinking, I also don't want you to do it, though. So, uh. yeah, I lose my gig if you start singing with Sharpay. <laughs> uh, but a, a Ryan and a Ryan and Gabriella song would be cute. It would be adorable. Yeah, we need that, um, and we'll get this later in, in the minute. Like, we need the tension between Troy and Gabriella, like because the, what they're trying to do is set up like this sort of like love triangle. Like Sharpay is trying to make Gabriella jealous, and so like him singing with Sharpay is like a conflict because he only likes to sing with Gabriella. That's like the only time he's ever sung is when he's with this girl that he likes. Yeah. She is the music in him, as it were. <laughs> yeah, it's very uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Not just like the situation it's arisen in, but like Troy has expressed many times he doesn't like to sing. Like the fact that he can sing and that he wants to sing, those are not related in any way, shape, or form. Like he doesn't want to sing, but he's being put into a situation where. Oh, I guess I'll have to sing at least one more time now. Well, two more times, the talent show and with Sharpay at some point. Well, like, the implication is that he's going to sing with her like at the talent. Like, it's weird. That's what the mom implied. Yeah, but. So the way that this scene kind of builds to this is like, has this been Sharpay's goal all along is just to get him to say yes to singing with her? Like, is the is the college thing and the like, is everything else just a like a build up to this? Or maybe it's not 
just singing generally, but singing at the talent show, because Gabriella and Troy singing together is an actual threat to her winning the talent show. So, and so, if employee beats Sharpay, I'm just, I'm speculating here, Tyler. I'm no, not, no, you're right. But it's, like. It's weird that the talent show is like the end game of this whole movie. <laughs> well, last time it was a basketball game and a callback. <laughs> <laughs> but the stakes were, were personal. You know, they were about Troy and Gabriella's relationship. And how if they can make the callback thing work amidst their, like, you know, it was very literal. Like, I have my own priorities, but I'll, I also want to make room in my life for you. And it's played out very literally in, in their sort of club sports group obligations. And, and it's kind of interesting how that, how like the metaphor plays out in that way in the first movie. In this, it's just like, well, there's a talent show. <laughs> But it seems like the personal stakes of like Troy going to college and we, we, we hardly know what like what Gabriella's intentions for college are because she's barely in this movie. Like, yeah, that is one issue so far is the, the lack of Gabriella. She definitely brings something to the story or she did in the last movie that grounded it in a way and focused it that it just does. This movie just doesn't have like if we had already set up that Gabriella wants to go to Stanford. And Troy's like, I don't know if I can make it into Stanford, but maybe there's another school in California that's close that I can like play basketball at. Like that would be an interesting conflict. And now all of a sudden he's being pulled towards the University of Albuquerque, which is not going to be near where Gabriella is. And now he's got to make this like hard decision. But that's not what's happening here. No, but I think it's still exploring Troy's inherent goodness like in some ways he's a very white toast character that like (laughs) he just does what people tell him to and he doesn't have like a ton of not to say i don't like troy like i clearly like (laughs) it's weird it's weird because he is milk toast in that way but he's also the character with the most personality in the whole movie yeah (laughs) the most depth at least so it's one of those things that like is it Troy just trying to do everything for everyone and not being selfish enough to prioritize Gabriella. Like, there's that element too. Like, yeah, that's a is good point. it his priorities that he's having trouble reckoning who he wants to be versus who he is in the moment and was working at a summer job really the right direction? Yeah, he he does the things that he thinks other people want him to do or. He's he's easily persuaded in that way into into trying to do the right thing, but following his own path is something that he struggles with, right? And and that's clear from the last movie where his own path was what if I tried singing instead of just playing basketball? And now it's very it's it's much more like oh my whole future is also my path. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what he literally wants. But it's also not about how he doesn't know what he wants because. It's just like nothing is suggested. He, he's like, I guess I want to be able to afford college, but he doesn't. There's not like, oh, he wants to go to this school, but it's going to be far away and expensive. Like, couldn't he just like want to go to Duke or something like, oh, I've been watching this basketball team, this college basketball team ever since growing up. And I've always wanted to go there. And now and now like I'm 
I need to play well and get scouted or otherwise I'm never going to reach my dream. He doesn't have any aspirations. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't even seem like all the time that he wants to play basketball in college. And maybe that's part of his uncertainty of self is he hasn't had the opportunity to actually think what he wants to do. He's always been following what his father wants him to do or what his friends expect him to do. And he's he's trying to create a moment to think about that and he just isn't getting that time yeah and when all these pressures are coming in on him it's forcing him to think really in the moment and he's not he's not able to find himself in a way that's fulfilling to him that that is interesting because that is kind of how life works like you you do your job you live your day-to-day life and you never get time to think about the future I, but I, I also I also was going to say if the movie was going to be about his sort of ennui, then there there's nothing there, though. Like we're, we're reading so far into it at this point <laughs> that it's like the, the text isn't giving us this. We're just sort of like assuming things about Troy based on like this kooky plot about a talent show that means nothing. <laughs> but if you think about all right, your primary audience is seven to 12 year olds, they can project anything onto Troy. And that's very freeing to a young person who maybe doesn't, like, when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a teacher and an ice cream truck driver. Like, (laughs) I didn't have, like, it didn't have to be deep because in the moment I could just kind of project myself into other people and it's not super complicated because the primary audience can't imagine all the complexities of life at their time. I mean, I think that's a weakness of children's storytelling. Um, specificity is a strength of narrative, and you don't you don't connect less with a character because they have a specific want. You actually connect more with a character that has a specific want. So you're saying adventure in the great wide somewhere is not specific enough? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> now, in a fairy in a fairy tale setting, it's it, it, everything's an allegory, so it's like, whatever. <sighs> but anyway. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is, like, the madness of teenage, your teenage years and, like, your brain just being a tumult, like, a tumultuous storm of hormones and pressure and new understandings of the world. Like, society does weird things to teens in that, suddenly you're this miniature adult and you're supposed to know everything but not know anything there it's it's a lot of like double standards and pressure and if, i if think the, troy is if the writers of the movie ever thought it was about that it has gotten lost no but i think Tr- zach efron is bringing some of that to this in that like He is just out of his teen years and expresses the overwhelming nature of it all and the absolute perplexity of like, wait a second, this is what's going on? Like, I was expecting this and... Yeah, I agree. He's doing a good job. I think despite the perplexities of the script, I think the actors are still portraying realistic or believable reactions to these odd situations i think i think zach efron and corbin blue are i think lucas grabeel and lucas grabeel and we just haven't seen enough of vanessa hudgens but i think yeah um and we'll talk about taylor in a second (laughs) 
Yes. Um, <laughs> but let's get out of the dining room. Cause... Wait, wait. One, one quick thing about about this topic: the idea that the the idea that the 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 absolute like wackiness of this movie reflecting the sort of tumultuousness of being a teenager, like highs and lows of this movie, like being absolutely bonkers, reflecting teenagerdom is kind of interesting in a way. Um, So yeah, as I said last minute, they're just sitting there deciding on if they want dessert. seems like they could have ordered dessert a while ago and maybe they were just waiting for some room to appear in their stomachs. I don't know. It's annoying, but they have decided, yes, let's get dessert. And Troy's stuck there for a little longer. And they all cheer very loudly (laughs) and excitedly. It's very weird. But they take so long with dessert that the kitchen is empty when Troy leaves the dining room. The next thing we get, it's a basically just a gif. It's he walks into the it kitchen. It is a gif. <laughs> he screams, which you know, very relatable. I think I would also after that situation. Like it's like the Lilo and Nani fight in Lilo and Stitch where they both like the next thing you see is both of them screaming into their pillows it's a very (laughs) cathartic way to let out intense frustration yeah I mean at the risk of being heard by the people in the dining room because I mean haven't we had a thing already in this movie where like the things going on in the kitchen you can hear I know it's the other way around they could hear the music being performed in the dining room in the kitchen Okay. I thought when they were when they were doing their dance number in the kitchen, maybe Fulton came in and said, Hey, you know we can hear you. Okay. No. Um and then yeah, he stops screaming, he checks his watch, and then he's like, Oh, gotta go. Yeah, he bolts out of there because he remembers he was supposed to have a dinner date with Gabriella. And like one one shot of Gabriella like standing outside and waiting during that whole previous scene would have done major work into adding tension into this movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was something that maybe it's just the way we're watching it. But I was like, wasn't he supposed to do something tonight? But then I was like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be on a date with Gabriella. And this would then be like the second time he's been late for a dinner or a date with her. But apparently it doesn't matter that much because she's still cleaning up. Or is she just making work for herself while she's waiting for him? Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, so he runs out to the pool area and Gabriella's like putting some towels in a basket or something. And Taylor is there and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I'm late. Let me go change. Like, give me a minute. And she cracks about like his ties not matching his shoes. And she's like uh, maybe a little bothered, but not so bothered. I mean, she doesn't appear bothered at all. She's like, well, I just put these towels away. I'll, I'll it, like, I don't know if she's still on the clock, but she's like. I'll just wait around and and find something to do until Troy gets here. There's yeah. there's no like sign of distrust or anything. And Taylor being who her position should know that Troy was assigned to go have dinner with the Evanses and like probably told Gabriella like, "Hey, his assignment got readjusted and like I was really frustrated with Taylor in this bit cuz she goes up to Gabriella and she's like Two minutes late is acceptable, but an hour is basically a felony. And just because Troy's a good guy doesn't mean he doesn't have boy disease. Yeah, we get some toxic Taylor um, energy. And it's it's bringing that sort of um, black best friend trope into things, which is icky. Because, I don't know, Taylor has been a pretty good character in the past. 
she got better. Like, she grew and has shown she changed. Yeah, and now she's just doing the thing where she, like, judges people and talk, like, talks smack and says, like, oh, boys should be this way and, like, us and theming a, a bit. And the the thing you said about, like, she should have known where, where Troy was anyway because she's, like, Fulton's sidekick. Like, she's actually more equipped to understand the position Troy is in than Gabriella was. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows he would not want to be in there. It's not a secret. Like, yeah. they were complaining about being stuck being their caddies three minutes ago. It's it's so confusing because, like, they want to go into a, in a direction where it's like, oh, no, Troy has got to decide between Sharpay and Gabriella, I guess. Or there's, like, some sort or, of like, jealousy. like, job and Gabriella, like. Yeah, there's some sort of, like, conflict there. And well, it's kind of nice that, like, at the end of the day, Gabriella's not mad at him. She's not becoming arbitrarily, like, frustrated Jealous. with Troy for no reason. Like, she's very understanding, and that's and that's a good depiction of a healthy teenage relationship that you don't usually get in this this sort of movie. And not then now Taylor's all. walking in like, no, boys should be this way, and he's bad. And you're like, no, like, this isn't... You, like the entire setup of the conflict is is completely backwards. It, it should like there's no reason it should have gone this way. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating that like Taylor has regressed in this way, and like Gabriella isn't reacting strongly, which is nice. But it's still like that. This is coming up again. Is like okay, you guys didn't learn from the last movie. Yeah, it's like if they wanted to plant the seed of like the jealousy conflict, they should have done that 20 minutes ago. It's like and you could suspect it because like Sharpay was hanging off of him when they were in the golf cart. And like, but Gabriella doesn't seem like the jealous type. So it's very hard to follow this. Yeah. So we're like we have to put we have to put characters into positions that they wouldn't naturally be in. And that's just the sort of artifice of this sort of Disney movie. It's like, no, this, like we've set up these characters. We know who these characters are. We putting them into these situations that doesn't feel natural for them just is wrong. And that's what, that's what we're doing to Gabriella and Taylor here. I will say we get more of this conversation in the next minute. So maybe we pause it here and continue analyzing their character regression slash development (laughs) in, in the next minute. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about how Vanessa Hudgens says kidding. I know. Well, her her we did mention like her interaction with Troy was cute. Like she was giving him a little a little crap for being dressed up and like not in a hurtful way though. Like it was just like, "Oh, your your tie doesn't match your shoes." And kidding, like I see you got stuck in a crappy situation. Like that was the yeah, acknowledgement of that statement was like, "Oh, you got stuck with a, an interesting job tonight." Like <laughs> yeah, there's there's stuff that's interesting about this scene, but they have chosen to interact with none of it. <laughs> okay, that's enough about minute 42. Condra, we've got a decom segment. Yeah, and I was thinking we just do a good old crossover. So Tyler and I have both thought of a Disney property that existed in 2007 when this movie came out. And we're going to try and mash them up. Yeah, good old mashup. What have you got to cross over with, Condra? <laughs> So we were talking about Zubumafu before the, the we started recording, and Zubumafu is not a Disney property. But Sadly. the way you were saying, I know, 
Although, <laughs> no, not really, because yeah. then if it wasn't on PBS, we wouldn't probably know it as well as we do. I mean, yeah, so the re- the reverse, it's good when things aren't owned by Disney because Disney tends to ruin things. But I was, the the song made me think of another classic children's television show in Roly Poly Oly. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's Which a I Dis- think will be a so- fun wor- so it's a Playhouse Disney television show from the late 90s, early 2000s about a family of four traditional family, mother, son, daughter, younger sister, like like Berenstein Bears, basically. Um, yeah. And Except they're all they're like robots. They're, they're robots that are like made out of three dimensional shapes. Yeah. It's based on um, a book. Yeah. So, um, and they're like computer generated. It is, yeah. It's 3D animated uh, CGI. Like very basic. <laughs> very. Oh, yeah, no. It is early 2000s if there ever was one. So, um, I thought that'd be a fun world to play in because, like, there's a lot of bouncy things and, like, weird science things and, like, doors that are unexpectedly open, like, garage door kind of. It's almost like the Meet the Robinsons world. But like a cartoony version of that, if that makes sense. So I yeah. thought Roly okay. Poly Oly. Roly Poly Oly. He's small and short and round. Yep. Um, <laughs> and in this land of whirls and gears, he's the smiliest kid around. He's the smiliest? I thought it was the smi- or I smallest. I always thought it was swellest. Oh, it could be swellest. I, I'm I, the, the Disney ride Soren. Nice. <laughs> I have chosen. So there's Soren around the world, Soren over California. I don't. And then there's, there's different the versions pre- of it, right? Yeah, so there's the original was Soren Over California, which premiered in Disney California Adventure in like '98, I think. And then it moved, and then it got added to Epcot in the Land Pavilion in the early ish 2000, like 2003 or four, probably. And then it got changed to Soren Over the World in both parks later. Okay. I don't know exactly when, but the pre-show of Soren over California has Patrick Warburton as this pilot. So we get to play with pilot Patrick Warburton in this. <laughs> so yes. So Soren is a ride where you like basically get like suspended ride. in the air and then, then they play a video in front of you and the, and the sort of the, the ride that you're sitting in kind of has wind being blown on you and you're kind of moving along almost like you're in a paraglider. It's a flight simulation ride. Yeah. And their scent spritzed at you. The orange groves over California is the famous scent from Soren. So we've got <laughs> documentary footage of California flight. or the world <laughs> of of flight simulation, and we've got three D shaped robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, modern art robots. <laughs> hmm. I'm thinking we're Soren. Flying, there's not a star in heaven we can't reach. Sorry, I had to say yeah, it. Thank you. No, I was waiting for it. I was like, what of us is gonna go there? Um, so we're we're soaring, right? And we're just soaring along in the sky until uh-huh. what should appear the sky in front of us, but, but a portal to another dimension. I don't know. See, I was thinking, what if Roly Polioli got an upgrade? Like he. He got a new SIM card. He got a, not like a SIM card, but like class field trip. Maybe like magic school busy, I guess. But like, they were like, oh, we're going to 
do a special trip today class and we're going to fly and he get like they get like this attachment to their little robot bodies that allow them to fly they just do like and robot he- vr <laughs> No, they actually fly. And he he gets carried away, like swept away and starts experiencing like soaring over robot land or whatever it's called. I should have looked it up more, but um, (laughs) but like his flying experience turns into soaring over the world like he starts soaring. But he's soaring in in robot world where everything's like 3D and weird. So does he? Does he transition to soaring over like beautiful photorealistic landscapes? I think that would be the funny gimmick in the show is like Patrick Warburton is the instructor that is teaching them all how to fly safely and he doesn't follow those rules. But you know how in children's animation sometimes they like cut away to weird like real photographs or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's like a SpongeBob gag. Well, yeah. they'll cut away to a photorealistic image of a thing. Yeah. But like he's flying and then it cuts to him looking down and you see like the orange groves of California or whatever <laughs> or the Taj Mahal and like you get those image like the images from Soren, but it's still in Roly Poly Land. So the the only way I'm thinking of this making sense is like so fr- from like the ground level of Roly Poly Oli, everything looks like shapes and more abstract. But zoomed out, it's like it's like impressionism. Like zoomed out, the shapes take form into yeah, the like Nas- like the Nazca lines in South America. Like you see the <laughs> the shapes out of the the tunnels and stuff. I'm thinking know. like I'm thinking like dot impressionism, where like. You zoom out and you're like, oh, it's a picture. But like close up, you're like, it's just dots. Oh, that'd be really cool, too. I don't know. I I do like the idea of another dimension, though, like Rolly zipping through the air and then like, hey, there's a portal there and like gets blown into it. And then is suddenly in our world. That feels very like Phineas and Ferb, though, or like Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, I was thinking Patrick... You're right that Patrick Warburton being like the guy who explains how to fly is good, but he could also be like the pilot who helps Roly Polioli like get back to his world. Yeah. Like Yeah, that like, would make sense. Like Roly Polioli's like flying in the air like just free freestyle or whatever, but then there's yeah, a guy in a plane Icarus. who comes and picks him up and goes like, oh, "All right, buddy, I'm here to, I'm here to save you." And then he that that was not my Patrick Warburton voice. No, that wasn't your Patrick. I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was like, yes, Patrick Warburton voice. I'm trying. I, I what's 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 uh what's what's the Cusco. phrase? It's get- the Cusco poison for Cusco. Yeah, poison for Cusco. Okay, yeah. All right, little buddy, I'm here to rescue you. Okay, we'll fly. Oh no, there's a portal up ahead. All right, hold on, hold on, buddy. And then they go through a portal, and then they fly around California, <laughs> and then they go back. I don't know. I feel like if it's in a roly poly, it's only going to be a 22 minute episode. This is not the grounds for a 45 minute to an hour special. Like, it's just a 22 minute episode. <laughs> this is such a weird. Uh, yeah, combination. we really are stretching it here. There are things that would go well with Sword, and there are things that would go well with roly poly. Roly-poly. And unfortunately, those two do not work. Um, but what if it was. Okay, so it's Soren, 
but then it's like the Jimmy Neutron Nicktoon Blast ride. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's it's Soren, and then you you all of a sudden fly into to, the uh, the dimension where everything's cubist and and abstract. Yeah, that probably makes more sense than what I was pitching. And then you wave down to Roly Poly Oli, and then you fly into another world, and it's the Proud Family, and you're like, oh, oh my goodness, hello, Hi, Penny. Yeah, yeah, and then you fly into another world and it's Kim Possible. Like, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's the Hanna Barbera or <laughs> Jimmy Neutron Nicktoon Blast. Like, literally, that's what that is. But that, but that's that's less creative. I, th- I think the like the the version of it where it's an episode of Roly Poly Holy where he flies and then for some reason sees photorealistic landscapes is also funny. <laughs> All right, that's it. We'll call it there. Tell us which version you would like to do. Honestly, I would like to see a Soren over Disney animated. Like, I think that would be a really, like, for a special night. Because Disney does all these special events and they have, like, brought back. They, like, brought back Videopolis and, like. Yeah, Soren is, like, not a complicated ride system. You can project anything on the video. Literally. You know what would be, like, Flight of the Nav, like, not Flight of the Navigator. Flight of Passage, there we go. If they wanted to do like a special Avatar night in Epcot, they Oh, you could... do the Avatar ride, but on the Soren ride? Yeah. That would be weird, but okay. Well, just I'm thinking it would work in the land pavilion. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it would also increase capacity. Not that the capacity is low for Flight of Passage, but it's like not as high as Soren. so. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find us on the internet? People can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. You can send us an email to AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Yeah, what's your favorite Playhouse Disney slash Disney Junior show? Or send us a future suggestion that we have to cross over with something else. Yes. we're, we're gonna, One day we're going to do interventions. <laughs> I... I almost pulled the trigger today. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at TGoldenArt on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at JoeWinslowMusic.com. I've been Condra. And I've been Tyler, and we'll see you next minute for more of Taylor and Gabriella, which I guess is a good thing because they've only been in this movie for like three total minutes. But we'll see what happens. You can bet on it. <laughs>